0: Well, hello there, ladies and gents, Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Dr. Brooks Tiller on the line. He is a hunter, he is a ketogenic athlete, he is just an all-around cool dude, and we talk all about hunting. It's, it's, It's fun for me to be able to bring someone on the show that is an avid hunter themselves because then we could just sit around and talk like we're at a campfire. We talk about hunting stories, talk about how to cook the right venison, we talk about it all. So, if you like hunting, if you like the outdoors, if you like truly living the you know what an actual paleolithic lifestyle would be and take pride in knowing where your food comes from then this is your episode so without further ado sit back relax and enjoy the conversation with Dr. Brooks Tiller and hey, we're live how are you sir man I'm doing great I'm doing great router. how are you I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk because, well, for a lot of different reasons, but you are all about hunting and I'm all about hunting, but I don't really have, there's not a whole lot of opportunities for me to just openly talk about hunting on my platform as it is currently, but I'm trying to change that. So let's just shoot the breeze, man. Let's talk about hunting.
1: Man, that's, that's what I love. And you know, a health and fitness world is where kind of you're at. And I'm just trying to blend the hunting world and the health and fitness world. And just get as many people out there hunting as we can.
0: I think it's like a match made in heaven when you look at it. I mean, when you look at the ketogenic diet, you know, paleo diet, carnivore diet, most of us are eating quite a bit of meat. And there's this disconnect oftentimes between the meat you're eating and where that meat comes from. And I feel like people are starting to to recognize that and actively, you know, learn more about, you know, agriculture, regenerative farming, trying to get, get, you know, local, local, uh, you know, contacts where they can get their meat from people nearby as as opposed to going just the mass, you know, feedlot beef. But hunting is like the creme de la creme. That's where the, the most nutrient-dense meat is. And I don't know, I feel like the more we can bridge that gap with the, you know, health, nutrition, keto, carnivore space, with like actively going
1: out and getting your own food, I feel like that's that's where it needs to go. I believe so. And, you know, for me, it's really about – being involved in every step of the process and you know if we get a burger at a fast food joint there's possibly 300 different cows in that one burger but if you go out and get it it's it's actually probably cost you more than any meat you would buy at the store but on top of that I bet you know where it comes from there's that story behind it and there's that sense of pride that Mm -hmm. comes with gaining that meat and and able to know what it's on on your table if you're feeding your family you're feeding yourself and we want the healthiest that we can get i want an animal who has lived the life that it was designed and made to live and it lived that life the way it was supposed to not you know not just a feedlot and uh hoping that you know it, it, it survived a couple of years after getting pumped full of a bunch of junk
0: mm-hmm totally man and not only that, but when you when you go out and you you hunt and you harvest an animal and you you're the one that's processing that animal, you know you're the one dragging it out of the woods, whatever you're doing, you're gonna be pretty hard pressed to throw any of that meat away. Like you want to salvage as much of it as possible, as you possibly can when you're when you're skinning and processing it. But then after you've cooked it and you're eating it, you're not likely to throw a bunch of it in the garbage bin. Like I hate food waste. So if you're hunting, that's like the the best way to minimize that.
1: I feel, I believe so. And because you're you're in control of it, and, and you know you can go through and you can take the heart out, you can take the liver, you can take the kidneys, you could take any part that you wanted, the tongue, whatever it may be, and you could use that as well as using all the muscle meat that you're going to get. And you can take the bones and you can make bone broth out of it. And you can even if you wanted to go as far as you could take the hide and you could. Tandahide and you could make something out of that. You could just take it as far as you wanted to, almost like you mentioned that paleo lifestyle. People talk about, oh, I live like a caveman. Well, like, a caveman didn't just, you know, take one big chunk of steak and eat it. Like they they, they ate every ounce of the food that they could get. They and and when you're out there hunting, you're taking that animal and it's it's a very intimate process it's nothing that I ever take for granted there's nothing about it that I I ever I ever take with like a grain of salt if you I I never think about it lightly I mean you are taking a life and Mm -hmm. it's that intimate intimate moment and that you know that like I'm making this shot I'm going to make the most ethical shot I want this animal to never suffer because this animal is going to go home with me and feed my family and whether it be a a bird, a squirrel, or a deer, or an elk, or whatever it may be, or even as a fish, I want that animal to not suffer. Um, you know, because I mean, it, an animal that suffers could have like you know, it, there's things stress hormones that come through that could actually make the meat not taste as good. Mm-hmm. And I want that animal to to be able to feed my family, and to be able to th- and enjoy that, and so that I can look back and I can give thanks that that animal gave its life so that me and my family can have life. And it's never anything I take for granted is something that I've always appreciated. And I think that that's one thing as a hunter, uh, we, we see these trophy shots. And if you're not a hunter, that's probably what you see on the news is the trophy shots or whatever. And that's not what hunting is all about. Hunting is taking that animal. And for me, some of the, you know, my trophy shots is really the food that's on my plate. It's not, how big the animal is when i'm in the woods it's did this animal feed my family and i think that's one of the things that the misnomers in the news that we see is like oh this person killed this you know you you see the it's kind of like in in anything you see and hear about the bad apples mm-hmm. and you know the the hunter who illegally takes a monster buck you know, might shoot a monster buck in a mall and that walked across the mall parking lot or something like, you know that that guy like you know he shouldn't be hunting anyway. Like you you know you sh- just you know you need to consider your lifestyle for that. You know like what do you, what are you really doing with your life if you're going to shoot a, you know around a bunch of people? But for those who that those are the ones that make the news. But for every one of those, you've got so many people that are out there doing the right thing. And and for anybody that wants to learn how to hunt, it's about finding those people that are doing the right things and ethically, morally doing it for the right reason.
0: hundred percent agree, man. I mean, I, I don't really care too much about the size of the, the rack on a deer. You know, like if you, if you happen to get a big deer, you got more meat, bigger body deer. And then I'll sometimes mount that deer, like as a memory for that entire experience, but that's never the pinnacle. That's not the priority. And I mean, my I'm always going out in the field hunting meat. I mean, my my goal is to fill the freezer for the coming year. Cause I mean, honestly, every like when I did my contest prep this year, every single meal, every single day, contained meat that I had killed. I mean, that that's a lot of food. That that's something I'm proud of because I'm supplying my energy with high quality food that that I process myself, that I cook myself, that I killed myself, and that is a hell of a lot more rewarding than um, a rack sitting on the wall Um, especially if if that's all it ever is you know like a lot of people do hunt just for the trophy and that that tarnishes what hunting is all about Uh, it's unfortunate but it does exist and it's sad to think that you know people see that and that alone sways them away from the art and sport of hunting because there is so
1: much more to it than that. I totally agree and you know it's one of those things that I know that you're big on you, you know, working hard, do the hard stuff. And that's really what I'm all about. I Me, mean, I'm like, Hey, you got to do the hard things. And it really makes those hard days. Not so bad that may be coming. And and hunting is hard work. And, you know, if you go to the grocery store, you're seeing, if we're going to get the high quality meat, we may pay seven, eight, if it's ground meat, you know, we may say seven, eight, nine dollars a pound, or if it's a nice steak, it could be 20 bucks a pound. Mm-hmm. But if you really look at the cost that's going to go into hunting you're probably going to actually spend more per pound potentially that than you would at the grocery store and what's funny is i found that that my hunting buddies and and myself my family i'm more likely to call somebody up and say hey man i've got a big deer roast cooking do y'all want to come over and 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 have some Mm -hmm. but if i just go to the store and get a roast i'm I'm not as apt to say, hey, won't y'all come over? It's just, you know, for me, it's just like, all right, it's just food. But if it's, you know, if it's, I take that pride and like, oh, man, you know, this is something that I can share that I've been able to get from the wild and I'm able to share it. And it's it's odd that, you know, it's kind of like if you have a Lamborghini, you're going to let somebody borrow it. But if you have an old beat up pickup truck, you're never going to let anybody borrow it. That's the kind of way I look at it. And just because you want someone else to enjoy that, deliciousness and just enjoy that meal with you.
0: Totally agree, man. Totally agree. So, another thing, like th- this is something that doesn't even get talked about really, but a lot of people look at hunting as as a selfish thing, it's just for the hunter, but like there's so much that goes into the sport with a benefit to the wildlife population herds themselves. I mean, my dad's a wildlife biologist and the reason that there's a game and fish commission that puts a hunting season out in the first place is to manage that population so that it improves over time instead of become overrun and and, and decrease in quality.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's one of those things, I guess, the the anti-hunting population or groups, uh, they put a lot of their money into just fighting the hunting whenever when it comes down to if you look at any of the wildlife organizations, uh, in any of our license that you buy, any of the raffles that you may put in for the draws that you put in for to to get a a tag, and even in all, in all our organizations, a lot of that money goes back to conservation. Mm-hmm. And every time that you buy outdoor equipment, you know it could be camping equipment, hiking equipment, even guns, ammo. Uh, there's a portion of that money goes back to conservation and you know it's just one of those things that that hunters at their core are conservationists and uh, a lot of people look at like teddy roosevelt and you look at teddy roosevelt and depending on how you want to view him like oh well he went out west and just killed a bunch of animals but the thing is, is he didn't just kill animals like he, he killed them you know he would study them and he appreciated the fact that he wanted to pass that on to others. Mm-hmm. And and he educated others on the animal. I mean, he didn't just kill them and leave them laying. You know, they they used that meat and they used everything and they studied them in a scientific way. And so as outdoorsmen, as just people that want to be outside, whether if you just want to hike and birdwatch and you just want to, you know, look at the flowers and for if you want to forage mushrooms, whatever it may be part of the reason that we have some of this public land and that we have the animals around is because we have that conservation aspect built in to all of our outdoor organizations.
0: hundred percent, man. hundred percent. So I want to kind of rewind a little bit. What, what got you into this sport in the first place? Like, were you just, did you grow up hunting? like, did your dad teach you how to hunt or how did that all come to be?
1: For as long as I can remember, I have been, it's been part of my life. Uh, growing up, my dad and my granddad hunted. That's how we fed our family. And you know, I remember during deer season, my granddad, he had it all set up and you would, you'd go over there and be my dad and my granddad, my uncles, and you would kill a deer and everybody, it was a family thing. Everybody chipped in, everybody worked on cutting up the deer. You know, somebody might be gutting a deer and somebody else is skinning a deer and somebody else is cutting up the meat and somebody else is packaging the meat. And it's just like this, it was almost, you know, a a quote unquote factory, Mm -hmm. but it was just all of our family just working together. And we put that meat together and throughout the year, somebody may have killed four deer, somebody may have killed one deer, but throughout the year, if somebody had a little extra meat, they would give it to somebody who maybe didn't have as much or you know, when we would share with other family members that didn't hunt. And so for me, ever since I was little, it's been a process of just, this is how we provide for our family. And I mean, we would rabbit hunt, squirrel hunt, we would, you know, hunt birds, whatever it may be. But part of it was just the being outdoors. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would, we spend our summers fishing and, you know, it was just like that time of this is this is the 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 nature. This is you know God's bread. Give give us all this greatness that we can experience. We can just enjoy this. Let's just in you know enjoy it for all it's worth. And and in in that you know my granddad taught my dad, my uncles, and they all taught me, and it's just been a passing it along. And I and I had that experience of just having that mentorship. I
0: love it. I think that is something that is unfortunately having those people pour
1: into me and and just share me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like the, uh, like, like people are are going that direction now, or do you feel like that's something that's starting to kind of to
1: taper off? I think that people are starting to get back to that, especially with some of the stuff that we've gone through with people not able to find meat in the store and people want to be a little more self-sustaining. I feel that people now are like, all right, how can I make sure to feed my family? And and we've always thought that you work a job, you get paid money, you go to the store, you buy the food and and that's it. But I think people are, are in two cases, I think they want to be a little more self-sustaining so that they can provide. And I think there's also folks that they're looking like we talked about. They they're looking at how the food, how their food is is raised. And You know, we are what we eat, Mm -hmm. but more than that, we are what we eat has eaten. Yeah, very true. And even when I look at it, it's like, if you look at a deer running through the woods, it's graceful, it's powerful, it's fast, it's strong, it's lean. Or you look at a cow eating in a pasture, like they, they don't move very much. And while the cow may have a lot more meat on it, that deer... I just feel like if I'm going to become something, if I'm going to eat that deer, I would rather become more like that deer than the cow. And for me, I think there are a lot of people that are looking at that and wanting to have that responsibility of, you know, instead of having someone else kill a cow and then me get it in a package, let me go out and harvest this animal. Let me raise a chicken, whatever it may be. Let me do the process from ground up. And I think that's a little bit of a surge coming on now. Uh, you know, they say that as hunters, the average population has been increasing Mm -hmm. every year and the number of licenses bought has been decreasing, but I, I've seen a little bit of a surge in the younger population, especially those involved in health and fitness that are wanting to be healthy. They want to eat the healthy, good food. And that's what they're after. And they realize, man, they've got this wild game running around that. Like I would rather be like a deer or an elk able to climb a mountain in two seconds than a, you know, than a cow that's just munching on clover in the pasture. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing that's really beneficial uh that people are seeing this little surge and they're getting more involved in and nowadays with the internet, with the programs that are out, there's more opportunity for people to learn from experienced hunters who are doing it for the right reason.
0: I I totally agree. I feel like it's 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 interesting to see because I feel like a lot of, you know, parents aren't necessarily teaching their kids how to hunt because that that's kind of, I think that's become less and less, uh, just a tradition. Unfortunately, however, I feel like because of social media, influencers, and all the the hype that that is, you do have some very influential people. I mean, like you got Rogan that's getting into bow hunting now. Joe Rogan yeah. starts bow hunting and millions of people hear his podcast. They're like, huh, that that sounds like something I might want to get into. So you have these big influencers that are kind of showcasing and paving the way for what's possible. And I feel like people are starting to see that, hear that, and 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 look at it in a positive light again. And that's exciting to me because I feel like that that could be leading to that surge and that can scale.
1: I believe so. And you you mentioned Joe Rogan, and I think one of the best podcasts about the hunting that he did was actually with Russell Brand, who's a vegan. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to hear them and it was eye-opening for a lot of people that you've got this guy who is now a hunter having a conversation with a vegan and they're able to agree on, you know, Rogan's like, Hey, I hunt because I want to know where my meat comes from. And Russell Brand, who's a vegan is like, okay, I understand that. Like, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, they were arguing about the, the legals and the rights and, you know, does the animal feel this or whatever. But it was one of those things where if you're going to eat meat, yeah, go get it yourself. And it was a really interesting idea. And I think for anybody who is into the ketogenic or the carnivore space where you're interested in this stuff, like it, you know, he had some good points of how you can talk to someone who may have completely different views than you, but still be able to agree. And I think that's as an outdoorsman, as a hunter, uh, you know, I do get some attacks, on why do you hunt just go to the store and get meat and for me i think that it helped me just to have a good few points of like hey well this is why i do it and i think that if you know why you do something then you're better able to explain it but then i mean if you know why you do it you can explain it to others and you can share it with others
0: 100 i feel like at the end of the day a lot of what the the vegans want is pretty similar to what a lot of the hunters want I mean, we all take care to, like, improve the wildlife population, conservation. Like, we don't want to see suffering. Like, a lot of those visions are, are pretty well, you know, hand-in-hand in, hand in line with one another. There's just this disconnect because, you know, at, at first glance, there seems to be a pretty profound, stark contrast. But if you have that, you know, intelligent conversation and treat each other with respect like adults, then I feel like there's some common
1: ground there for sure. Oh, for sure. And And I've had conversations with vegans and friends who work with vegans and it's it's interesting that uh there's a few folks that call themselves vegan hunters and yeah. what they're saying is like they're a vegan except they will eat meat that they have actually harvested themselves and, like and it's an interesting concept
0: yeah i mean it makes sense though i mean like if i mean <laughs> i'd rather really, yeah I, I could totally get behind that i can call myself a vegan hunter exactly I like that. I like that. So what about keto, man? Like, how'd you get into keto and low carb and how'd that kind of come into play?
1: Well, I was, it was, it's been several years back and I'd always been kind of low carb and I've been tweaking with things. And I'm always, you know, as an athlete, just, I, I try something. How does it make me feel? Am I performing better? And I just started kind of diving into the keto space and I got the call to be on American Ninja Warrior. And about a week before the actual going on the sh- you know going on the show and be recorded, I rolled my I was doing a crazy trick that I probably shouldn't have been doing, trying something crazy, and rolled my ankle severely. And it just swelled up. And it was interesting that I had just recently gone to a very ketogenic diet, and the inflammation within a week I was able to perform and. You know, got to be on TV and everything for American Angel Warrior, where I know that if I'd been eating a normal sugar laden, chemical laden diet, like that inflammation would still be there. And there's no way I could run across, you know, some of these crazy things on the show. And after, after that, I was like, there's something to this. And I just kept diving in, you know, diving in more, diving in more. And, you know, found podcasts like you and Danny Vega and different ones where we can, I could learn more about how to actually do this. And it just fit in perfectly with my lifestyle as an outdoorsman. And, you know, it's like, Oh, I go out, I get venison, I get elk, I get deer, Turkey, whatever it may be. I can get these things and they are a ketogenic primal food. And it just made perfect sense and fit in perfect with my diet, with the way I live, but also it helped me in the way I feel. Um, And I'm somebody, I'm an ADD, kind of guy i've got 100 ideas at all times and i noticed as i dove more into the ketogenic as i got more into ketosis i would wake up energized i would wake up and it was like my brain was almost on fire on fire i could tell you know my skin felt better my skin looked better my my hormones were more balanced i you know i wasn't feeling as as wonky i was feeling better and i didn't have that blood sugar i could go i could go hunting and i could not, I could just carry, I could just have some water and that's about it. And I could go all day and I would not have the crash. I would not have these things. I could fat, you know, go, go more into a fasting component. So it was just all these benefits just piling on top. And I was like, something about this is, is right. And finding more and more about the ketogenic diving more in and with everything that I'd learned through medical school, wasn't necessarily matching up with what I was experiencing. I was like, Oh, you're supposed to eat like every three hours, you know, you know, doing all this other stuff. And, but as you go dive in, you're like, okay, there's something to this. And once you experience it, it it, it was like, all right, there's no doubt this is helpful. And through that, I've been able to help a lot of other outdoorsmen get better and be able to spend more time in the woods without having to worry about, Oh, I've got to get back home to eat oatmeal or I got to get back home to get a muffin because I'm hungry or I got to carry a little dubbies in my backpack. And instead it's like, oh, I can go and sit in a deer stand for eight hours or I can go on a hike for a couple of hours and not have to worry about bringing a bunch of snacks.
0: Totally, man. Like when you look at hunting through the lens of it being a extreme sport, which it has every right of being deemed as an extreme sport, depending on what kind of you're doing. I mean, I look at, like I interview endurance athletes, I interview bodybuilders, I interview everybody that's doing the ketogenic diet, and I can hear how it's benefited their performance. When you put that through the same scope, from a hunting standpoint, I mean, if you're doing like a, like, like a, like just go to the opposite, you know, the crazy extreme, let's say you're getting dropped off in Alaska, and you're spending a week in Alaska going after caribou or moose or something, I mean, you're going to have to carry significantly less food you're going to have much more sustained energy. You're going to be able to recover faster. You're going to be able to function better on less sleep. I mean, all the things that you would want to be able to do as an elite hunter, you can do in a much more optimized state if you're keto-adapted.
1: Uh, you said the main word right there, optimized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, this past year, I went on a, um, you might call it an extreme hunt. I was in the Sawtooth Mountains in Idaho, and we... Went It was a public land archery hunt for elk. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, your chances of killing an elk with a bow and arrow is slim to none. And then you add in it's archery season, and you've got four people with you, and it it, it got kind of crazy. But before I went out there, I made sure. I mean, I was super strict on my keto. And and out there, I'll go ahead and give a plug for the keto brick because I took – I took about a week and a half worth of keto bricks with me
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and you know, and that's, I mean, three keto bricks, that's about 3000 calories and, and it's less than a pound. And whenever you're hiking 10 miles up into the mountains before you ever set up camp, like every ounce matters, like you're weighing everything. And whenever like, oh, I got to carry all my food with me. It's like, oh, I can carry, you know, 10 pounds of keto bricks. That's ten days worth of food. If if I have to, like, you, nobody else that I was with could say that their food weighed less than ten pounds and they had everything they needed. And so for me, it was you know there there were other things that we had with us, but going out there, that was a big factor in being mentally alert, being prepared for no matter what happened. And you know we're day four. We've hiked 20 miles a day looking for elk and we spent all day just trying to get in position for an elk. And when it comes time to get that shot off, you're sneaking within 30 to 40 yards of an elk and you have to be mentally ready, no matter how tired you haven't slept, you've been sleeping on the ground, whatever it is, but you had to be mentally prepared. And being in a ketogenic state helped me tremendously just to be laser focused on what I'm doing and to be energized and be mentally focused on right there in that moment of putting the shot on that I needed to get that meat back to my family.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, that's not easy, man. Like a lot of people, I think they think of hunting as just like sitting in your truck and left waiting for something to come across or like sitting in a deer stand all day. And that's like a different type of difficult. Like if you're sitting in a deer stand all day, I mean, that, that's patience. I mean, there's a lot of discipline that goes involved with that, but doing like a spot and stock, like hiking cross mountain mountainous area i mean that is freaking tough work i did that for the first time this past year on a mule deer hunt in washington and i had i don't know probably like a 50 or 60 pound pack on and man i got my butt whooped like i i don't i don't think i could have done it had i not been keto adapted because that would have just been one more food i had to carry i was already carrying a heavy bag but I mean that is freaking brutal intensity like that that wrecked me just about as much as that marathon
1: I ran yeah I mean I think we one of the guys with us that was filming he he had an little apple watch and he was tracking and I think the last two days we hiked 20 something miles with a hundred pound packs getting the meat out of the off the mountain and and it was interesting to see like you know guys having to you know stop and get little granola bars and stuff and I was like dude I got a, one keto brick in my pocket and I'm good for the day mm-hmm. I can make it uh you know and it was and once you get in that fasting side like if you're out there on a the mountain and you're you're chasing those elk and you're in a spot you're like all right it's eight miles back to camp or I can just camp out right here make me a little bunker and then the in the morning I can get back after the elk well that's cutting 16 miles of walking off but you may not have the food with you mm-hmm. and that may be the determining factor but like, hey I'm keto adapted, I can fast for another you know, for another couple of hours. I can sleep tonight, I can get after those elk in the morning. I'll worry about getting food tomorrow. Like I can go a day or two without food if I have to and not worry about like that blood sugar and all that stuff that comes with a normal diet.
0: That's a huge point, man. I mean honestly when you look at back, you know, human existence evolutionary speaking hundreds of thousands of years ago, I mean, keto adaptation is just an evolutionary adaptation to being able to, you know, pursue game and get a kill in and get food when food is scarce so like that's just perfectly uh, you know in line and representative representative of what we're doing today with modern day hunting
1: exactly and I mean trust me if I'm if I'm in the woods and I see a blackberry bush I'm going to grab a couple and eat them uh, but once again those blackberries growing in the woods are not as sugar laden as the ones you're going to find in the store and that's exactly what our Primal ancestors would have done. You know, they're like, all right, you know, there's a handful of blackberries. Let's keep going until we actually find some big animal we can hunt down. But they would sustain on those little bitty, like, if you would, those little sugar, quick snips. But it's not enough to really kick you out of ketosis if it's just a handful of wild blackberries or blueberries, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm.
0: And heck, and a lot of times, you know, depending on what season you're in, there's no, there's no berries to be found anyway. So you pretty much have right. to be fasting. Exactly. So we got season coming up here soon, man. When does uh, bow season open where well, you're at? I guess September probably.
1: Yeah, it's September. I'm in Tennessee, so it'll be September whenever bow season opens up. And then, uh, we you know we've got we we have a lot of deer in Tennessee, so uh, thankfully we're able to actually take a lot of does, mm-hmm. which you know in, in a lot of places. You know everybody's looking for the big bucks. Like I said, for me, it's about food. So I'm looking for a big mature doe to walk by, and especially archery. And I'm going to take a couple does early and make sure my freezer's full, and uh, you know, and try to get family and friends out, especially whenever we get into more of the gun season, uh, just because it doesn't take as much practice with a gun. I can get other people involved that way.
0: Hundred percent, man. I'm actually going out uh, this weekend to my family farm. I'm going to do some scouting around, kind of make sure my my spot's all good to go for season. But I've, I've got the bow dusted off. I'm shooting regularly again, trying to get practiced up on that. Uh, yeah, bow season will be here before you know it.
1: Yeah, and I think um, for anybody, I mean, archery is just a great thing to get into. And when it comes to the fitness side, uh, you know, your heart rate is going. And mm-hmm. if you've never, never shot your bow while Really tired, or after a good hard workout, like it. That's it's going to be a different thing that uh, you're going to experience, and and even now in the summertime, I mean, go out and go fishing, and you can get some great meat that way too. Hundred percent, man. So,
0: what about uh, let's let's talk about cooking because a lot of people they don't have no clue how to cook wild game meat because it's a little bit different than cooking a big old fatty ribeye.
1: Right, you know, and that's one thing about wild game; it is leaner, and a lot of people, if they've ever had wild game, like, man, that just tasted terrible. It tasted gamey. One of the reasons why is because we don't cut it up the same way that we do, like, say, a cow. Um, and if it, it's a cow or a hog or something like that, you know, that that fat is gives us that buttery flavor. When it comes to wild game, a lot of times you want to cut that fat off. because The fat is what will tend to give it the gamey flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, and even if we compare say beef to, to venison, uh, you know, venison does have less calories and a little bit less fat, but it does have more protein and it has more vitamins and minerals in that same amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that, you know, so then as it being a ketogenic, adding the fat in, so, you know, you can add the fat in through just, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, bacon, coconut oil, uh, whatever that you want to cook with that or just add an avocado with it is one of the things I love to do is have you know venison with avocado and and that's just a delicious meal right there but one of the the gamey part often comes from not taking the fat off properly and having too much fat in that meat and so if you're making a burger that's when you can mix in some of the the you know the the innards the livers the hearts things like that and you can add in maybe some bacon fat which will give you that little extra fattiness and make it a little bacon taste. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to cooking, it's it's all about making sure that you're not overcooking it because it, you know, it will get chewy and even tough because of the lack of fat, like we would a cow. So you just kind of have to take it a little bit. And, and for me, like I still experiment with things. I'm like, all right, you know, man, a ribeye was really good this way. Well, I've got this, deer steak how can i cook it so it tastes kind of like that ribeye and i've got to tweak things i cook it maybe a little bit lower a little bit slower use an InstaPot. use a crock pot you know use the oven and i'll cook it a little differently and try different ways of making it better and getting the flavor where i want it so that it's more palatable and uh you know for me it's just it's there's a ton of recipes ton of cookbooks out there for wild game and just finding one that fits what you're looking for is is the best thing to do
0: so what what's your like if you could pick any cut on a deer for instance and any preparation technique what would you what's your go-to
1: i mean probably most most deer hunters would probably say the tenderloin or the back strip mm-hmm. and for me like it's it's a lean cut of meat so i will often take that tenderloin and i will take some bacon and i'll Get the bacon about half cooked, and then I'll wrap that bacon around the tenderloin and cook that tenderloin on the on the stove top in a in a cast iron skillet for just about three or four minutes on each side, and then stick it in the oven for at at about 350 for about five to six minutes. Take it out, let it rest a couple minutes, and then I'm cutting into a about a medium, medium rare steak Mm -hmm. with nice with some bacon around it. And it, that, that one is just so, it's almost like a filet mignon, if you will. And it's so delicious. So amazing. That's probably my top, you know, for, for especially sharing it with someone else who's never had uh, anything, but, you know, beef. And I think that's one of the things I would share with them first, but, you know, then I like to get into, you know, taking the heart and cut the heart up in little bitty pieces, mix it into like a, a chili and, you can even mix it with other, uh, either beef or, or ground venison, uh, do that. And I mean, and it's hard to beat elk. Uh, my wife, she's, I, I cook up some milk steaks and just kind of the same thing, just a few, few minutes on each side and then stick them in the oven for a few minutes and they're about medium rare cut into them. And that's one of the best pieces of meat that I've ever had.
0: Yeah. Elk is definitely hard to beat, man. I, I love oh, yeah. getting cuts that most people. You know discard or don't really put very high don't have in high regard but like a like the shanks i've been i've been yeah. loving venison shanks i've got a freezer full of them and i'll do like an also buco with them and those shoot man I, I i'd be i'd be hard pressed to pick like a tenderloin over those like if they're done right they're pretty damn good
1: yeah Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, and it's all about, you know, some people like the ribs, you can smoke them. And, you know, some people discard the ribs because there's not much meat on there. But, you know, to respect that animal, you've got ribs, you smoke them up. There's, that's some good meat right there. And then there's a lot of things that you can, you can gather. and, And I used to remember my granddad, I would be cutting up meat and, and I was like, oh, I'm done with this. And he's like, he's like, let me see that. And, Five minutes, he's got a pile of meat bigger than what I had, and I thought I had everything off. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, like okay, you know. And it's one of those things where you know, once again, you know, we live maybe in a world of prosperity where like, oh we just take the big chunk and throw the rest of it out. Whenever some of these old timers, you know, they, they they remember those days whenever they had no food, and they're getting every little bit off. And in any of that, you throw it in a crock pot and make a stew out of it, and it's going to cook up nice and tender and it's going to be delicious. And most people are not going to tell the difference between, you know, if it's a cow or if it's a deer, if, if it's done right. And you throw a few spices in there and it's delicious.
0: hundred percent. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll get like these chunks, you know, something that I couldn't make a steak or something out of. And then I'll, I'll, you know, grind it, but I'll grind it with like a 75, 25 grass fed beef. And I'm able yeah. to basically make an 85, 15 ratio or something out of it. And that way, I can stretch it a lot farther, and it just is freaking delicious. You can get all the nutrient benefits that you would from the wild game.
1: Oh yeah, and that's the way to do it. I mean, like you said, it's just you're you, you're stretching a little bit further, and you're making it a little more maybe palatable to introduce other people.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, cool deal. what What's the uh, what's the thing that people need to be doing if they're wanting to get into hunting but don't know where to turn? Where Where do you Where do you point people?
1: Well, I mean. I have my site and I have my podcast the healthy hunter show where you know we talk about health we talk about fitness we talk about hunting and you're you're gracious enough to come on there and I really appreciate that but um you know for me I try to just share it through my website through Instagram through Facebook and all that stuff where all the social media channels but there's a few places that are probably more equipped than even me and uh, the qdMA which is the quality deer management association they have a great field to fork program and they're in several states. So if you just look up the QDMA field to fork, you're going to find their program and you find out where it is. And they take people in their first hunt. That's what they do. They go to, um, farmers markets and they help they they'll actually cook up venison and share it with people and they will take you on. They'll get you set up with a crossbow. They'll get you set up with camo and they'll take you on your first hunt. They're like, Hey, this is what we're doing, and they'll bring everybody together to butcher it, to cook it up. and The QMA Mae guys are awesome. Uh, you, there's a lot of information online. Um, some places I work with uh, that provide great info, like Mossy Oak, they have a lot of great information on they have a video series that they're on their app where they do uh, how to cut up a deer, how to prepare a deer how to cook it in different ways so just make sure you get the best out of it so there's things like that but you know the biggest thing is don't be afraid to ask questions uh if you whenever you were getting into keto you got you went to dr google and typed in what is keto how do i do keto what can i do how can i make keto ice cream whatever you were looking for Mm -hmm. you went there and asked and then you may have had a friend who was in, into the into ketos, you're like oh, you're asking them questions so don't be afraid to ask questions because if you don't ask a question you're never going to know the answer and so whenever if anybody ever hits me up it's like hey i want to learn how to hunt and but they're in oklahoma i'm like dude you're a long way away from me and it but if i'm able i'll drive to oklahoma and take you on a hunt if you're able you can come to me and hunt if 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 all we can do is just through the through the magic of the interwebs we can talk back and forth and i can share with you here's where you need to go to get a bow here's how you here's what you need to look for like i'm going to give you as much information as possible and there's so many people out there that can do that and all you have to do is just i mean you said you look up on google reach out to somebody who maybe if you see them on facebook or instagram who shares a recipe of wild game reach out to them and 99 uh, of the people are going to say, oh yeah, this is how I do it. Or I'd love for you to come with me. And I know that you've done that, uh, with several folks in the ketogenic space that you've invited them to come hunt with you and opening their eyes to what they can do. And, and just, it's all about asking questions, be humble about, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to know more. And if you, if you keep that in mind, I mean, cause I'm still learning every single day about hunting, about the outdoors, about the way that turkey and deer and elk, the way they move. Uh, this year was my first real elk hunt. I went and I, I asked him, I was like, do I need to learn how to call? And the guy that I was going with, he said, if I see you touch a call, I'm going to slap it out of your hand. <laughs> and, and, and rightfully so, because if I'm making a racket out there and he knows what he's doing, I'm going to scare the elk off. But while out there, he taught me how to call an elk. Mm -hmm. and so it was like okay i'm out here i'm watching you i'm learning and then whenever i left he's like all right here's the stuff now go practice and so it's one of those things where you can ask questions and just tag along with somebody just get outside and observe and just see what they're doing and but reach out because most people that love the outdoors are going to share it with you and and right now i know that there's some crazy times there's people that are uh going out and they're wanting to be more self-reliant and i think it's a great thing that as if you are an outdoorsman invite other people if you want to know ask somebody how can i go with you and learn how to hunt
0: i love it man i mean i've always talked highly of like the keto space the keto community because everybody's so giving and like they're in it for the right reasons but honestly the same is true with the hunting community i mean everybody's just always so willing to give any information or knowledge they have they're willing to like let people borrow their gear, you know, show them a spot to hunt. I mean, there's so many people that, that want to get hunting, but they come up with these excuses, like they don't have land or they don't know how to shoot a gun. But, I mean, that that's all easily worked out. I mean, there's public land. There's people that are more than willing to let you hunt on their private land. You can borrow weaponry. I mean, you can do whatever needs to be done to make it happen. You just have to put in a little bit of legwork. But it's so worth it, man. Like, the, the fruits of your labor of putting in that legwork far outweighs – the time it takes i mean you you just it's like anything in life you put in the work and the the reward is just it's just there man
1: yeah i mean you get what you put into it whether it's life fitness whatever you know and the way i see it even if you don't know anybody that hunts if you're having to go it all alone um even if you if let's say if you don't have a weapon if you don't have camo if you don't know a thing about hunting but you want to learn you can go to the woods and say hey can I sit here and see a deer today? Can I sneak up on a turkey? Whatever it may be, if you do it and you get out there and maybe you mess up and you spook a turkey, you spook a deer. Well, you've at least done something mm-hmm. and now you've learned from it. Even if it may have been the wrong thing, you learned from it. And, uh, you know, and I think that once you get out there, it's just, it's one of those things. It's like a, it's like a bug that bites you. And it's just, you know, when you see the sun come up and you see, nature just wake up it's something that you just realize like this is the place to be totally
0: agree man totally agree well where can people go to find out more about you and follow along man
1: yeah so uh dr brookstiller dr com is, is a main hub the website uh, i'm dr Brooks Tiller on all social channels uh, the healthy hunter show is a podcast that um, where we interview leading fitness folks outdoorsmen people who are just in in that space who are into fitness and health as well as the outdoors so those are the places to find and and anytime anybody has any questions just you can hit me up whether it's a recipe or anything about the outdoors foraging food anything of that nature feel free just hit me up because i love talking about all this stuff and would we'll be glad to help and that's that's what, what I'm here for. That's my that's my purpose in life.
0: And it shows through, man. I mean, you and I definitely need to, to get a hunt orchestrated together. I think that'd be, that, that's the cool thing oh. about hunting. Like you get like-minded people together. Like you start collaborating, you, ideas start flowing. It's like, it's it's hard to beat. Like the, the conversation, the camaraderie that you can share sitting around a campfire after a hard day in the field is hard to beat.
1: Oh man. And I've told so many people about the benefits of the keto brick and what that did for me whenever i was trekking up and down mountains and just being able to spend time with you in the woods would be amazing we could i mean who knows i mean we might catch the woods on fire with some good ideas
0: (laughs) well shoot man let's do it right now you got me all hungry so i'm gonna go (laughs) defrost some tenderloins and sling some arrows
1: yeah man i got some elk steaks uh getting ready to cook too so i'm gonna after i shoot some after i shoot in the backyard with the kids i'm gonna cook up some steaks so we're good
0: sounds good man Will you enjoy those steaks and keep in touch brother Appreciate it, brother. Take care.